back to bird's eye view when it comes to the orioles this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinion today is may 17th 2021 this is episode 318 my name is scott magnus and this is jake english on this week's show we're gonna go around the bases once again and we're gonna do it in just a single episode this time is that allowed and we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show it's time for the drink of week jake what are you drinking this evening this evening scotty i'm taking it easy with a coca-cola classic right out of the fridge. Uh, but I do want to talk about the uh, orange crushes that I've been making uh, this week. I got a, a, a crusher. Can I, okay. Am I allowed to say crusher on, on this podcast? It's a, a juicer? It, a juicer is Let's more use appropriate. Juicer. Yeah. I'm not Bordic. But to say. Um, but I got a juicer for my birthday, and it kind of just sat on the counter for a while. And so my wife finally like bought a crap ton of oranges and said, it's happening Let's do this thing. And I was like, okay, sure, fine. Yeah. So, so, we, so we made we made crushes, and then the next night we made crushes, and then the next night we made crushes. It's been a very, it's been a very crushy, boozy week. All right. Well, I mean, nothing wrong with a little orange crush. No, not at all. And grapefruit. Uh, I am also drinking something non-alcoholic tonight. I'm doing apple cider. Um, but similar to you, I had a, a beer this week, and then I want to talk about. Uh, I had a beer from Double Groove Brewing out Forest Hill. Uh, I had a a crowler. Uh, it was a Gimme Three Hops. It was a double IPA. Um, really like this one. Um, it actually wasn't too hoppy. Um, you know, it's reported being right around 85 IBU, so definitely should be a little hoppier, but didn't come across that. Definitely got a little bit more of a citrus and floral note than I typically do for a double IPA. So for a local brewery, not bad. Not bad at all. So uh you know, give them a look. You know, I'm not sure if they're actually distributing out into stores right now, but if you're up in the Harford County area, uh, give Double Groove a, a quick trip and or tour um, at, in the Forest Hill location. So uh, that's that's my plug for the week. Nice. Nicely done. All right. Well, if you're interested to see what we are drinking uh, one beer at a time, uh, come find us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E4025. I'm at MEGN8606. And with that, let's go on over into the medical wing. Jake, your favorite player. We thought he was going to be called up. You know, they pulled him out of the lineup. You know, people thought that he was going to get called up, but Jemai Jones. Oh, I thought you were going to say Stevie Wilkerson. Nope. Jemai Jones, he is down on the seven-day IL with an oblique injury. Ooh, so he'll be done for months. Hopefully not, but it doesn't look good. Um, you know, I thought this was going to be the moment where Jemai Jones came up and all of your wishes came true. I can't have nice things and and I kind of feel responsible. I Didn't I we talked about to... this at the last podcast is we say something nice and then bad things happen. <laughs> so I need to say, start saying things nice about the opposing players. Absolutely. All right. So Jemai Jones, Jeffrey Merritt was a fine upstanding individual. <laughs> um, you know, absolute, you know, world-class citizen. Um and nothing ever wrong should ever happen to him. Everyone should should go out and watch I Hate Jeffrey Mayer. It'll change your opinion on nothing. Nothing. Uh, Jemai Jones, his oblique has fallen off. He's on the seven-day IL. Uh, but surely no one else of note could be on the seven-day IL in the minor leagues, right? Well, we talked a lot about this last week, specifically with Yusniel Diaz, still nursing a thigh injury. Uh, once again, um, you know, a, a plethora of outfielders within the Orioles organization but there's a lot of them that are hurt right now and kind of nursing injuries. <laughs> <laughs> what 
Well, you know who I'm going to say really good things about right now who can come up and play outfield for us? Dr. Stevie Wilkerson? No, Chris Davis. He's just the <laughs> best. Do your work, universe. Yes. Um, I think that's about it, though. Um, overall, you know, it was a pretty you know healthy week for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, and Anthony Santander is uh, on rehabbing. his rehab assignment. Yeah, he's, absolutely. He's going to be back soon. Yeah, good to see that he is uh, on his rehab assignment and uh, will be back soon enough. Um, I have to assume D.A. Stewart's gone when he comes back, right? Well, I mean, current, is McKenna still in the club right McKenna's now? McKenna's still in the club. So, I mean, that's the easy move for now. But, yeah, you have to. But isn't McKenna better than D.J. Stewart? Well, I would think that McKenna is better than D.J. Stewart as a fourth outfielder. Right. I would, have And a pinch hitter? Mm, I would say that D.J. Stewart's probably a better pinch hitter. Pinch runner? I think that D.J. Stewart's a more entertaining pinch okay, runner. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> what about mascot <laughs> what about dj stewart is is all-time ghost runner can we do that so just put him at second base all the time every every time we have a ghost runner it has to be dj stewart okay i would rethink that rule if it could be dj stewart okay jack cust all-time no. ghost runner no not, not not no chance that's a bummer oh my goodness uh well let's go to 280 character less this week on the twitters and uh I'll start off this week. Um, you know, the first tweet comes from Orioles Mood. Uh, you can follow them at Orioles Mood. Mm. Oh, yeah. I do not like where this is going. <laughs> I really hope Elias is around long enough to see the Orioles succeed. God help us if we have another Andy McPhail to Dan Duquette situation. Um, and this is a tweet in response to The Verge posting that um, Easton Lucas, who was the return with the Jonathan Yard trade, was on the mound, um, you know, had a good game, you know, pitched three games, three and a third innings pitch, three hits, one walk, seven Ks. Um, yeah, he looked great out of, out of the relief. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks like the Orioles were doing pretty well with that return. You got to think that Elias is going to be here for a while, right? I feel like unless something happens to the team and like Nashville gets happening or something like that. Now I think Elias is here for oh, at least another five to seven years. Um, I feel with how deeply the, the organization is bought in to this approach, unless he gets like picked from another team. But we saw that during the Duquette standpoint, which is like, it's almost impossible to do. Are you, um, are you saying that he's starting to buy real estate in Canada? What I'm saying, he's starting to wear blue ties. <laughs> That is a dated, self-referential bird's eye view uh, <laughs> reference. Go, go back, oh, I don't know, 30 episodes and add At us. least. <laughs> All right. Next, uh, this week on the Twitters, we're going to go to a tweet from the Baltimore Orioles, who tweet <gasps> at Orioles. This was a tweet from, oh, let's call it five hours ago, uh, which goes as follows. 25 years ago today. May 17th, 1996, the grandest of slams. We were just talking about this last week, Scotty, the yep. ultimate grand slam. Ultimate grand slam. It's the uh, slam anniversary of uh, Hoyles beating the Mariners uh, with the ultimate grand slam. And there's there's video for four minutes and 44 seconds of pure joy. Go find it. Go watch it. Go live it. Uh, Jake, uh, let's go ahead uh, across the pond, as it were, uh, and let's take a look over this next tweet. Uh, this tweet comes from at Retro News Now. Wait, it, is it retro or is it now? Uh, I think it's Retro News Now. 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 But it's retro. Yeah. Okay. It's like Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, on May 15th, 1991, Queen Elizabeth II accompanied President George H.W. Bush to an Oakland A's Baltimore Orioles baseball game. I've seen this before. This happened in uh, in The Naked Gun, right? <laughs> I was just thinking, I can't wait to get to this episode of The Crown. Oh, my goodness. It's like when House of Cards went to Camden Yards. Wait till the crown goes to Camden Yards. So we'll have Kevin Costner and Carl Ripken making, I'm sorry, Carl Ripken making an appearance. <laughs> no. no. God help us all. <laughs> no, no. God save the queen, not God help us all. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Our next tweet comes to us from Melanie Newman, who tweets at Melanie Lynn N. Baseball is breathing poetry. I already like where this is going. Matt Harvey collected his 800th career strikeout at City Field today in front of fans who gave him three standing ovations. The man who had a professional poker face since his collegiate days was brought to tears. Fun day for Matt Harvey at City Field 
until it wasn't. But yeah. I mean, this how, is one of those things where it's like, how can you not love baseball? Yeah, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Um, there is a certain magic allure. Um, you know, it's nostalgia. It's nostalgia wrapped up in, 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 in into a game. Um, so, Jake, why don't you go ahead and take the last tweet? All right. Well, I think it's time that we break free of our naivete and start talking about things we don't uh, know about. I'm going to read a tweet from... <laughs> Welcome to Bird's Eye View. <laughs> I'm going to read a tweet from Governor Larry Hogan, but we're not going to talk politics. Governor Larry Hogan, who tweets at Gov Larry Hogan, tweets as follows... Following CDC guidance and in consultation with our health department and medical experts, tomorrow, this was tweeted out on the 14th of May, tomorrow, Maryland will be lifting the statewide mask mandate in addition to all of the capacity and distancing restrictions, details, and a, a link there, too. So, uh, Maryland has lifted uh, just about everything, unless you're in a school or some other uh, uh, excluded uh, sections. The city makes its own policy, and so it is not quite behind. But how long do you think it'll be, Scotty, until the the shackles are taken off Cannon Yards? Well, um, I mean, Mayor Scott came out today and said that he wanted to have at least 65% of the Baltimore City population vaccinated before he started opening it up. Um, I th- it's going to be an interesting standpoint as it relates to the city versus the stadium. I mean... I think it's going to take some time to get the city completely to get it to 65%. I mean, it it shouldn't be that way, but I just think it's going to be tough. Um, And like I said, it's not that the vaccines aren't available. It's in essence going and talking to the population, getting them there, um, sitting them down and, you know, doing exactly what we've been talking about for the past year and the difficulty of it is. I think the question really is, um, and this is a truly a Baltimoreans kind of standpoint of, does the city really need to be at 65% uh, immunization or is it a matter where, you know, you're just going to open up the stadium regardless because in reality it's going to be more of a suburban population than an urban population accordingly. So at what point does the state, the Maryland stadium authority, the Orioles put a little pressure on the mayor and say, we agree with your policies as it relates to the rest of the city, but we really want to open up Camden Yards. I, I wanted the same thing too. Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, obviously, I I think you know, having been there, that the Orioles have done over overall a good job with the restrictions that are in place. You know, obviously, some of it's safety theater, and some of it is is actually you know infectious. Uh, I'm sorry, that's effective, not infectious. Um, but the you know the real question will be, you know, we're starting to see more and more things be quote unquote normal. I wonder when baseball will look and feel normal. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's it's an awkward time because obviously, um, you know, the Orioles, um, we're right in the middle of a homestand as well. They're going to continue to be in the homestand with the Rays. And then they go away for an extended, you know, road trip. I think ultimately the Orioles are going to look at um, the, the situation and they're going to talk to the mayor during that time of that extended road trip. And I think there will be a compromise made. It may not end up being, you know, completely opening, but we may be at 50%. But I mean, you've got the Ravens in essence saying, Hey, the stadium's going to be completely open. There are going to be any restrictions. So uh, eventually you got to start moving that direction, I guess. I think this is a no lose situation for the city of Baltimore. Mm -hmm. There's no, no way that park's going to be filled. That's true. I mean, this is the safest bet. This is an easy win. Look, we said you could all come to the ballpark. You're not doing it anyway. Right. All right. Not our fault. You are right about that. Like, the fact of the matter is, like, even if they open it up to 25,000, um, besides the Yankees and Red Sox game. It'll take four nights to get there. It'll, it'll take some time to get there is the best way to put it. So. I, I do think that we will have a resolution that by the time Memorial Day comes around, which is the next time the Orioles would play at home um, after this long road trip, um, I think by Memorial Day we'll have some more resolution of what it looks like. It's also a really it's, – it's not the Orioles' fault, but it's also kind of amusing slash poor timing. The Orioles just reached out to season ticket holders and reassigned them based off of the you know restrictions that have been in place during the entire season. And basically, like like – yeah, your seats were here, but we have to move you into the new pods. So the other matter is, if they're going to open up the stands, they have to redo all the pods once again 
um, in, in order to open up the stand. So um, it's kind of a cluster is the best way to put it. Um, and maybe it's a matter where, you know, the city doesn't open up the stadium because the Orioles need additional time. And maybe we don't see a change until the All-Star break. I don't know. Um, it doesn't seem like it's that hard. I just think the Orioles need some time. And certainly not doing it on Yankees weekend when you had pretty much full attendance from Yankees fans was not the right time to do it. I hear you. Maybe All it's right. the right time to do it this weekend, this week during the race series. You just say, hey— all 200 of you, all go sit behind home plate. We're going to cut off all the, the zip ties and go from there. Yeah, but you can't bring cowbells into this day. No, of course not. Scotty, you and I avoided uh, being political right there. Um, so I'm going to dart closer to the line. Sure. Uh, as an aside, this is not this week on the Twitters, but but I'm thinking of it. Uh, this weekend was uh, Armed Services Weekend. Yep. Uh, and, and so the, the Orioles... We're wearing the camo hats and a infusion of politics and baseball that somehow didn't manage to trigger half the population. Imagine that. That's not what I think is funny. Okay. What I do think is funny is that the on-air broadcast salute to our troops included the branches of the military, excluding Space Force. Oh, poor Space Force. I found that funny. I found it funny. Poor Space Force. Um, Yeah. We hardly knew you. All right. Well. Godspeed. With that, (laughs) we are going to teeter back towards baseball and we're going to run around the bases and try not to stumble like Jack Cust. All right, so let's start off at first base. Um, you know, news came out on uh, on Saturday that uh, you know John Means was going to no, potentially not pitch on uh, on Sunday. What? Um, he was doing a bullpen session. Is he hurt? Uh, and everyone lost their mind. Is he sick? I think he was traded. Actually, is he dead? No. Oh, I didn't think traded. That's even worse. So. Uh, everyone lost their mind. Um, everyone was just like, what's going on? What's the worst thing that could possibly happen? What are the Orioles doing to basically destroy this man's career that just threw a new hitter? And our feelings. And, and our feelings. Um, and in reality, the Orioles are doing the smart thing, which is, hey, we don't want to, in essence, blow out his arm. Let's give him some additional rest, just like they did in the previous start, and said, hey, his innings limit is you know, at the highest it's been in his entire career. Let's you know, just push him out a little bit and just give him some extra rest because... It's not like we are playing to win at this given moment. I really think that that's like the biggest thing. Because I, I found out about this when my phone, you know, started like rattling across the table with notifications uh, when when the news came out. And I was like, oh, God, what happened? So I, you know, was originally shocked and, and scared because of social media. And then I actually read and felt better. But you're right. He's coming off of 2020 where nobody threw right. very ma- very much. He's coming uh, off of career highs and innings and and total pitches, and it costs the Orioles nothing. Nothing to take care of their surprise ace. Yep, cost them nothing. the The only negative this situation, and it's it is a drop in the bucket from a negative standpoint, is I know several people that you know after the no hitter was thrown by John Means, they're like. Let me line up the schedule, and I want to go see the first game that John Means is back in the stadium, and I want to see him pitch, um, and I want to see, you know, you know, I just want to see him because I just want to, you know, be an Orioles fan and just watch this guy pitch. And I can see there's that disappointment um, as it relates to that, if that if that happened to you. Um, but as an Orioles fan, too, I think you have to look at it and say, that makes sense, and that also is the tendency that can happen anytime. It could have rained on Sunday and you might have missed out an opportunity to see it as well. So I, I think this is the right decision by the Baltimore Orioles to be cautious um, with John Means um, and, uh, you know, not to say, we'll just keep on throwing him out there and just hope for the best. So you and I agree this is the right thing. Yes. Having said that. Yes. Uh, is there a danger in messing with somebody's 
baseball players are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. Baseball players are oftentimes superstitious. Baseball players are humans in a sport where you try to make them robots. Is there any chance that pushing them out a week or a few days or whatever messes with them and suddenly have to worry about him building off of these good starts? No. So you're telling me that all that ink being spilled on the internet is being spilled for nothing? Welcome to baseball Twitter. Oh, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I think this is a non story. I mean, I think it's important that if something like this happened with the TBA and there wasn't any, you know, news or anything like that, but the fact that as soon as Rock came out and said, oh, he's throwing a bullpen session right now, I was just like, all right, like, I mean, he's getting pushed back. No big deal. Like, he's throwing a bullpen session. You mentioned people, you know, lining up to buy tickets to go see John Means. I do think it's kind of cool that, like, the sun shines a little bit brighter on John Means starts days, right? Yeah. Like, everybody's excited. It's it's a John Means day. It's John Means day of the week. Yeah, I think it's, it's just fun. It's that basis of, um, I think people have latched on John Means and they're like, that's a game that we could win. Right. Um, and it just, like I said, doesn't guarantee it, but you feel a little bit better going into that game as a favorite. You know, John Means is not the extent of the, uh, let's call it as the rotation turns right now, right? There have been some other changes. But right now, as it stands, we have uh, Matt Harvey as the projected starter for Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, we have John Means, apparently not traded, not sick, Oof. not dead on Wednesday. Uh, we will be seeing Dean Kramer on uh, Thursday uh, against the Rays. And then our starters for Friday and Saturday are Tibid. Tibida. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, after he got slaughtered, um, Hyde was quick to point out that uh, Lopez's spot in the rotation is is fine. Um, and then, you know, the, the question becomes, who else? I, I'm curious to see if Zimmerman uh, will have pushed himself back into the rotation. I feel like Zimmerman gets another chance at this point. I mean, I, I understand that Hyde has to come out and kind of reassure Lopez here, but I, I still think that... Lopez Zimmerman, kind of a toss up in my opinion. So, um, I definitely think you go out there and see what you got with Zimmerman. Um, even if he's not a starter for you going forward, if he can give you a long man for you going forward and give you two or three innings, I think it's worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he he did you know just that earlier in the week. Um, yeah, I, I I'm hopeful that uh, again we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I, I just like knowing you know, the five guys that we're going to have and be able to plan on it, know about what you're going to get mm-hmm. on any given day of the, the week, uh, including John Means Day. Yeah. And like I said, I, I also wouldn't be surprised if we, again, see what the Orioles have been doing, which is pulling someone from AA or AAA and saying, you're going to get the start. And then they're going to immediately push it back to AA and AAA. So we need a starter, right? Yeah. I have a theory. Okay. Hear me out on this one. Okay. Way LeBlanc. Uh, is he in the organization still? No, but that that can be rectified. Okay. So he'll re-sign another deal and come back into the organization? Absolutely. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. I think it's time for him to go get a marketing degree yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we talked about double A. We talked about triple A. And, um, you know, one of our fantasy ball segments was wins uh, and who was going to win more. Um, you had picked Aberdeen. I had picked Bowie. Uh, and both had a great first week. Um, and they topped that in the second week in reality, like they both were in fuego, um, this past week. Um, you know, I think, um, Bowie didn't lose again. I think they maybe lost one more. Di- no, I don't think they lost again. Um, I think they won all week against Reading. Um, uh, and I think the Ironbirds maybe lost one game. So, I mean, that's some really encouraging standpoint, but again, just looking at the names of who is contributing, um, you know, it's a, it's a cornucopia of folks is the best way to put it, both in terms of high um level prospects that you know you expected to see them be consistent and and dominant and so far they're living up to that hype but there's some some also some other names that you know we've heard um but you know haven't been the hasn't been the case i think we've got to start with the with the with the pitching though um both in terms of um aberdeen and buoy aberdeen has been absolutely amazing um as of late grayson rodriguez has been absolutely on fire um, in terms of, you know, a K to walk rate. Um, but D.L. Hall, again, who's right behind him in terms of being a prospect, um, and those two are interchangeable, in my opinion, um, has been a- a- absolutely great as well. And it's really encouraging to see that. Um, I-, I can't think of a time in in recent times that I've felt this way 
about the miners in quite some times, even during the Machado slash Weeders era in the miners, there's a lot more talent now that is really exciting going forward. So I have I have two thoughts about what you just said. Sure. The first is that I wholeheartedly agree in the fact that I feel like there's so much talent in the system. Yeah. We can objectively look at the Orioles farm system and say, this farm system is one of the best in the majors at this point. Yes. It is very, very good. Now, of course, prospects are not a sure thing. And Correct. so that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But we have never been able to objectively say this is a stocked farm system before. I can't think of a time in can't think of a time in my life that I'd be like, yes, this stock this farm system is as good as it is right now. I mean, maybe early nineties, maybe. There but, were there were times when we tried to lie to ourselves. Right. But but not like this. And, and the other thing about what you just said about the excitement level, I think has to do with how baseball is being covered mm-hmm. and the influence and availability of social media. Yeah. I mean, we see highlights from Double A Bowie. Yep. On our Twitter feed, on whatever social media you're on. The beat writers are going down sure. to Bowie or up to Aberdeen to watch games. We are hearing more. We are seeing more. I mean, stop listening to this podcast right now. Go listen to The Verge and then come on back to us. Yep. You know, those guys do great work. I feel like there is so much excitement for what's going on in the minors, partially because the information and exposure to it is just better. I, I, I think that's a good point is, you know, we think back to the 90s, even early 2000s, and Bowie and Norfolk and everything were this abyss of like, well, occasionally you got some scraps of information, but it wasn't readily available out there. And the whole mindset of listening to radio call by call or streaming video of it, it was a it was a foreign concept is the best way to put it. So I do agree that there is um, more that eye test that you can now watch it and be like, oh, wow, like there's something going on down there. Um but there's also that kind of excitement, too, of like you you hear the beat writers and you hear them with like Deal Hall and Adley Rutschman talking to the beat writers and talking about how excited they are for what the future holds with them coming up and what this team could be. Um, and it's hard not to get excited is the best way to put it. Um, and it's hard to focus sometimes on the major league team when you're seeing some of the minor league games and how exciting they're actually are going. Um, but yeah, just some really great performances from those, some of those top prospects. And then, you know, certainly a top prospect, but maybe someone, you know, that some folks don't know, but Gunnar Henderson had an amazing offensive week. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about when him, we got, got drafted in terms of the bat, you know, I, I think Gunnar Henderson is, um, going to blow Ryan Mountcastle out of the water as on a bat level basis. And if Henderson could figure out how to play shortstop or third base, it would be major. Um, so, I, like I said, I'm really intrigued to watch Gunnar Henderson currently in Delmarva and see how quickly does he get to Aberdeen. And Gunnar Henderson is a really interesting candidate to me. I always talk about infielders, specifically of what does the you know shortstop slash second base situation look like. Um, if Gunnar Henderson could fit one of those roles, it would make me feel a lot better going forward um, with this rebuild and also knowing what the Orioles are going to be in the upcoming few years. The other thing that excites me about the minor leagues right now is that I know that I don't know enough about baseball development, that there will be names that surprise me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there, there are going to be Trey Mancini's in, in there. There are going to be John Means in there. There are names sprinkled in there that we're not, you know, talking about right up top that are going to come up and, and be meaningful uh, major league players. You know, we, we talked about the top flight guys. You know, I'm also interested to see, you know, what can the Orioles do with a guy like Cody Sedlock, mm-hmm. right? Who was a top pick, you know, at one point he was supposed to be the, the golden child. And then, uh, Holland Rodriguez happened. That doesn't mean that he's a bum, right? right. And he's still working his way through the system. You, you look at a guy like, uh, Garrett Stallings, right. Mm-hmm. Who I believe came over in, in a trade and, you know, going back to the, the this week on the Twitter uh, uh, tweet that we talked about earlier, where it's like, you know, all these little pieces that we've gotten from trades, you also kind of have to keep track of because we thought enough of them to bring them in here. And uh, it's really exciting to see this nucleus, not only in double A, but a, you know, a, a 
echo boom behind them in yep. Aberdeen. And, you know, we're not even talking about the shorebirds yet. Hopefully this is a system that, given the right fuel, can continue to excite for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the numbers and, you know, we, we talked about, you know, Adley Rutschman currently posting a 444 on base percentage with a 1.007 uh, OPS again, you've got to put it a little context. Like uh, Santander has been, you know, playing three games as opposed to Rutschman's 11 games, but Santander is, you know, doing similar numbers right now. But I think the really exciting numbers still come back to that basis of like DL Hall right now, who in Bowie is posting a 17.3 case per nine. Um, his walk rate's a little high right now, but 17.3 case per nine with a 3.83 case per walk rate, that's going to play. That's going to play um, at the major league level. And at only 22 years old, uh, playing out of double A, that's got to be really exciting. The other thing that I find exciting is that for the development of a prospect, triple A really doesn't matter. Right. I, I agree with that. I mean, the Orioles have not officially said that, but I kind of feel like triple A is more of a, we'll call it a fourth fourth outfielder. Triple <laughs> A is where you keep Tom Eshelman. Right. Right. Double A is where you keep the people you're trying to develop. Right. And so I feel like if the, the Orioles feel like once players can succeed at the double A level, they're basically ready to rip the bandaid off and promote them. Agree. Once they feel comfortable that they've done all they need to do at Bowie. Now that having been said, you know, a guy like Ali Rutschman for, you know, the purposes of making sure that he's a fully polished product and making sure that they don't, uh, you know, uh, bring him up too soon uh, for contractual reasons. I'm sure he'll spend the first X amount of that season that he comes up in triple A. But the fact that these guys are succeeding at the double A level makes me really excited that they're they're getting closer. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, you just take a look at the the triple A depth, as it were, uh, and you've got folks like Ryan Ripken playing at triple A. Um, Carl's kid, right? Carl's kid, exactly. Uh, Steve Wilkerson, Austin wins again. All players that have a role on a major league baseball team, but for short periods of time, and then they go back, right? But again, are not going to be, um, you know, super exciting for a longer period of time. And I mean, even if you're looking for, you know, individuals that are going to be pitching candidates, I mean, you're generally seeing folks like Keegan Aiken do really well in, in AAA or Evan Phillips and stuff like that. And again, I'm not saying that there isn't anything in AAA that you should get excited about. I'm just saying if you look at AA and you look at single A, just like you just said, um, you're stacking up with some of the best prospects in Major League Baseball. Um, and there's a lot of excitement, maybe not for the now, but again, for that two-year period ahead. And like I said, um, some really encouraging signs. And again, it doesn't just have to be those top prospects. I mean, um, you know, Patrick Dorian was a great example. And Taryn Farvar um, is another one out of AA. Bowie is just absolutely stocked to the gills, is the best way to put it. And... I think that's a big deal to me, which is you seem to have a lot of depth um, in terms of when you need to promote them to AAA, which is going to be happening in the near future, being able to have that 25th or 26th man and having them be not a negative from a war basis was so important during the Duquette regime and saying, I'm trying to minimize negative war players so that they're not in my club and constantly shuffling them back and forth, back and forth. I think that we may be seeing kind of a reoccurrence of that based off the depth that's going to be present in the very near future. Yeah, it's really exciting what you see at the minors. I mean, this is, you know, this goes back to seeing the Orioles have players selected by other clubs in the Rule 5 draft, right? right. There is stuff here worth coveting, and that's that's super exciting. It, the other thing is it's really cool to see them just do so well. Right. I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna get it wrong, but the tides have lost like I don't know, eight of eleven games or something like that. The record doesn't matter, but Bowie and Aberdeen are just clocking the uh, the opposition. It's it's really fun to watch. Yeah, so I mean folks, I mean I we, we just talked about Baltimore and obviously, you know, going and seeing the Orioles what the stadium kind of opening it up is really important. Um, but don't overlook getting to a minor league baseball game. We've talked about it on this podcast multiple times, specifically on the basis of minor league baseball was extremely hit hard last season. Um, certainly major league baseball was hit in a certain regard, but it's still a $10 million business. Um, 
minor league baseball, even though it's now owned by major league baseball, it is still important to a lot of the individuals in those communities um, that they are supported so they can kind of make a living as well. So if you get a chance, head out to Bowie, head out to Aberdeen, enjoy watching some prospects, um, specifically for those of you in, in Harvard County to get up to Aberdeen, you're going to notice an immense amount of talent watching the game now with the high single A compared to the short season single A that you have seen in the past. So give it a shot. Um, great experiences for the kids. Great experiences for you know dads and sons to go out there and talk about how the game is supposed to be played. Um, just a really fun time. Absolutely. There. How's that for not negative Nancy? Uh, it felt dirty coming out of my mouth the entire time. <laughs> Uh, are, we, are we are we heading into third base? Is that what's happening? We here? are heading into third base. So uh, let's talk about Sunday. Um, I, I've got to admit, Jake, I saw the score go up on Sunday with like Aaron Judge hitting home runs and the go- and the Yankees going up, and I said they're done. I even posted my by Buckshaw Walter gif of what the blank ding ding. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't have to say and put the ding sound effect in there, uh, and I. Quickly, as I was like, well, another Sunday game that the Orioles decided to kind of just say, we're going to mail this one in and, and get ready for the next series. Uh, I was wrong. I was completely wrong. Um, and the Orioles managed to make a big comeback in that game, uh, ended up winning it. So uh, shame on me for making that decision in the first inning. But um, I hadn't seen much for the rest of the whole, whole week. And I was just like, okay, Dark Ages baseball. I can already see what the score is going to be. It's going to be very similar to what it was on Saturday, where it was an eight to two game. Um, but I didn't give the Orioles much, much, much credit and much faith whatsoever. Yeah, no, I I listened to the, the first inning on the radio. Uh, I was out cleaning the car, listening to the radio, and thought to myself, "Well, this game is over in the first. Cool." Went inside, turned the TV on, was doing some other stuff, and. You know, luckily, uh, Henry and I were just bouncing around near the TV and slowly and slowly and slowly, we just kind of got sucked toward the television and ended up watching the game. It it really was fun to see all, all sorts of good things happen for the Orioles, right? We talked a little bit about uh, Zimmerman coming in, locking down, what, five and, and two-thirds innings in relief. Five and two-thirds in relief. I mean, that is really impressive i mean i think he knew that he was going to have to pitch at some point that day uh with it being a bullpen game but to come in and pitch five and two-thirds out of the bullpen that's a really impressive outing um and then doing it in front of obviously hometown kid and everything like that good for him um just a really great game um and him being able to get his first whenever is is really fun yeah and and again you know only uh, one earned run over that time. It, it was just, uh, it was really impressive. Uh, there was lots of, of other, you know, things to like about that game. Just the offense finally waking up, exploding even. Um, yeah, it, it was great to see Franco who has just been, I mean, scuffling beyond words, Yeah, you know, dri- driving in three, hitting a home run. I mean, Mountcastle who again, really scuffling this year, drove in four runs it was a really fun day to watch the Orioles, and it didn't start that way. It certainly didn't feel that way, and and I feel like for everybody that stuck through it, it was kind of a little a little reward, you know, the bonus for hey, we realize you shouldn't be here either. So the fact that you stuck it out, here you go. Agree, agree. So yeah, really, really fun game on Sunday. Um, and again, you know, the more times the Orioles do this, where they kind of put a, put forth this basis of, um, you know, what could be and what could potentially be. Um, and, you know, even coming back to Friday's game, the Friday's game, Friday night game was a really good game. I mean, I understand that the Orioles gave it away with that three-run homer from Travis Likens, but um, in reality, you played the Yankees strong for two out of the three games. Um, it's been few and far between that that has been the case um, over the past few years. So, like I said, I don't want to say that they've turned the corner, but it was encouraging to see at least some solid play out there. All right, let's round third like Jack Cust. Let's head home. And for home plate for this Around the Bases, I want to talk about how you feel, Ooh, Scotty. The feels. Look, we're 40 games in, yeah. right? We are, for all intents and purposes, a quarter of the way through our season. So let's, you know, stake a pole down. Here we are, a quarter of the way through. How do you feel about this club of yours? Now, uh, a 
a couple weeks ago, last week, I forget, I mentioned that Buck Showalter call, calls my, uh, May moving month, right? Mm-hmm. Because teams move to where they're going to be. Well, the Orioles in May are five and nine against some pretty good clubs. Yeah. Right? We've, we've played two teams from New York who are playing well. Uh, who we play the Mariners, we play the A's. Um, and for the rest of the month, we've got kind of a mixed bag. Six games against clubs that I would say are, are, are good. Uh, or I'm sorry, six that are, that are struggling and four against good opponents. So the Orioles, you know, have some possibility of making up some, some time here. But I would, I would argue, unless the bottom falls out, that in May, they're not really running to the cellar just yet. And so here we are, 40 games. I, I, I'm going to stop talking a second and ask you this question, but I, I feel like we're kind of where we thought we were going to be. Not horrible, certainly not great, but probably better than I feared. How's that? What I, do you think? I think that's a fair statement. I mean, I, I feel like if you look at them over 40 games, you look at their run differentials as well. Um, you know, when we started the season, we said somewhere in 60 wins, like 62, 66, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, so, I mean, the fact that they are at 425 right now, um, I think, you know, it, it's maybe a little bit better. I mean, I think they're skirting with 70 wins at this point um, in a full season. I, I feel like that's pretty accurate. I feel like in a really difficult portion of the season, you know, this has been a really daunting, daunting uh April and May, I feel like the Orioles are playing like, I'm going to say right now, like a 74, 75 win team. Um, not 500, not competing with a playoff spot, but also I would say not like terrible. Like it's kind of just like, okay, like you're better than you were maybe last season. You're certainly better than the season beforehand. Um, you know, you're, you're, there's certainly some positives that are coming off of the team at this given point. Um, it's just not polished enough to be competing in a very difficult division at that as well. And, and we're never as good as we, as we feel when they're, you know, flying high and they're never as bad as they, as they are. We think they are at moments like this, right? right. Played, played Boston, played both teams from New York. This is just a rough patch of the schedule. Um, yeah. and you look back at the last, you know, week or whatever, last 10 games or to two and eight or, or whatever it is, things are not going to be this way throughout the rest of the season. I, I agree with what you said. I think this is a better club than, than I gave them credit for coming into the season. And there's enough going on to keep me from checking out. You know, there's, there's enough going on because not only are the Orioles, you know, winning games, uh, in places that I didn't expect them to win. They're winning in ways I did not expect them mm-hmm. to win. Um, and the other thing is that as we talk about the excitement brewing up from um, the minors, it kind of puts in perspective what I'm looking for at mm-hmm. the major league level, which is what if this has staying power for the next couple of years, right? I, yep. I'm watching very carefully. And when I see, you know, games where Trey Mancini is leading us to victory, I think to myself, well, yeah, let's not trade him away. Let's, let's you know... I'm having that debate with myself every every night. Um, this team is fun to watch. I, I I will watch this club, says the man with an Orioles podcast. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I think that there's a lot of positives coming out of it. You know, they're certainly still at the bottom of the league in terms of performance. But again, when I came into the season, I was just like, they're going to be a bottom five team right now in Major League Baseball. And at this moment, they're not. I mean, they're at I think they're maybe 20th ranked in terms of total wins and losses. And again, they've played against a really difficult division with most of those games against the Red Sox and the Yankees. I mean, I think we've gone 20 games against the Yankees and Red Sox. So half of our games have been against individuals that have a 550 winning percentage and a 595 winning percentage. Now, part of that is because they played the Orioles. <laughs> but a part of it is also because, you know, they're just really good teams as well right now. Um, so I, I, I do think that, you know, if you look at, the Orioles win loss record right now. Um, you know, it, it reflects of what they are, but I also think too, I think we're going to see a lot more 500 baseball coming up and maybe slightly better than 500 baseball in the next four to six weeks. Um, and I think, you know, I don't think the Orioles are going to get out of the cellar. I, I, I'm going to say that right now. Um, I think that the other four teams in the division are way too good compared to the Orioles. 
But that being said, I think you're going to look at this and you're going to say, well, if the Orioles were in a different division, what could be? Um, And then I would also say, too, like I've said before in the past and previous years, if the Orioles didn't have to play a staggered schedule, such as 19 games against the Red Sox and 19 games against the Blue Jays and 19 games against the Yankees, what could be as it relates to, um, you know, possible performances in a, in a, in a 162 game season. All right. Now you just, this is fantasy talk coming from you. Let's get real. Let's put our feet on the ground, get our heads out of the clouds. Scott, I want to talk about the Masson cup, the mighty Orioles at 17 and 23 and the mighty Washington nationals at 16 and 20. It's going to be a, it's going to be a rough fight for the cup this year. There's no rough fight for the cup. The Orioles always dominate the nationals. Um, you know, they, they, they try to ride our coattails. And yes, they may have a World Series, but they will never have a Masson Cup as many times as the Orioles do. So uh, the Orioles are going to demolish uh, the Washington Nationals once again and and promptly return the Curly W back with a few additional COVID shots from Baltimore um, to, the, to the Washington, D.C. Metro. You realize what we're doing here? We're dooming us to a terrible week. Oh, no question about that. I I am glad that the Nats are scuffling a little bit because if they were flying high and uh, the Orioles had to face them, that would that would make me sad. Yeah, it would make me the sad clown. But so, yeah, I, I mean, I think overall, um, you know, there's a lot of positives. Um, you know, getting into mid-May, there's been many a seasons. I mean, I think back to that 2018 season. We got to April, season was over, and it really, really was like coming to grips with like this is the end of an era. Um and. I think we're starting to, uh, in essence, start to escape. I mean, we talk about the dark ages all the time. I don't think we're we're quite out of that period just yet. Um, but there's hope. Yeah, and I think with wins like Sunday, to to go back to third base a little bit here, I feel like we're we're watching Orioles baseball right now with the hopes that we will start to see things that make us feel like this is the beginning of the new era. Absolutely. Right? Things that we'll be able to look back to and say, oh yeah, I watched that game. That's where this particular corner was turned. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I'm trying to say is, help me Adley One Kenobi. You're my only hope. I'm going to need you to not do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that, uh, maybe let's go over and find out who won this week in Fantasy Boss. Scott, there, there appears to be an audio error here. Was there? I, I'm not, I'm not hearing the song I, I expected to hear. Oh, you weren't expecting to hear uh, '80s theme song musics? No, I, I think there's been a mistake. You okay. see, because this is Fantasy Boss, and I pick ridiculous stats, right? And then uh, I manage to pull them the win out of my butt for no good reason. That's how Fantasy Boss works. Uh, that is typically the way it works. And uh, again, I promptly did exactly what I should do as Jake English. And I said, who is the person that I would least expect to win this category? And I'll pick, pick him. And um, certainly enough, I did that. But that's what I did. But I did it better. <sighs> you did indeed. All right. So what are we talking about? Last week, I think I picked uh, K percentage. Who would have the lowest K percentage? I just want to throw this out here. Scott won fair and square cleanly. He is this week's winner. His pick, Trey Mancini, had a 20.8K percentage and just nudged my pick, Ryan Mountcastle, at a 22.7K percentage. But the weird thing is, the funny thing (laughs) is that they had the same number of of strikeouts. Mm. It's just the fact that my guy had fewer at-bats. You want to know what the not funny difference between those two players was this week? Uh, I don't know what. About 140 points of weighted (laughs) runs created plus. (laughs) Ryan Mountcastle did not have the week. Did not have the week. Uh, So that means the score is what, 3-2? 3-2. It's it's getting uncomfortably close. All right. So I need to come up with a category for this week. That is traditional. All right. So uh, I'm going to keep it simple for you this week. That is also traditional. Uh, we're going to go back to a classic bird's eye view over and under. Oh, no. So, Jake, are the Orioles going to have over or under two and a half stolen bases on the week? <laughs> <laughs> two and a half? 
I'll take the under. <laughs> All right. So you're saying that the Orioles are going to have either zero, one, or two stolen bases. I'm going to say Cedric Mullins will have zero, one, or two stolen bases <laughs> this week. All right. That's, <laughs> that's fair. So we're going to see uh, whether or not the Orioles decide to uh, let tr- Cedric Mullins run the bases. Um, or if, you know, the there's some defensive indifference. That's the best way to describe it. Oh, how terrible would that be? <laughs> Watch the Orioles just light it up in the base pads, but they get, uh, they get defensive indifference. Defense. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's going to be so surly. I'll be like, week. gosh, darn it. That's a terrible decision by the score. <laughs> Can we send that to New York? We can definitely send that to New York. Up oh, one second. Uh, we have reviewed your claim and it is being denied. Um, but yeah, let's see uh, who owns it this week with stolen bases over and under two and a half. Jake has taken the under. I'll take the over and we will see who wins this week for Fantasy Boss. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to go ahead and get started. My good for the week, we've already talked about him. Bruce Zimmerman going five and two-thirds in relief, getting the Orioles exactly what they needed, exactly when they needed it, only gave up the one earned run. I think, you know, hopefully pitched his way back into the starting rotation um, in, a, in a week where there wasn't a whole lot of bright to look to. That was a really pleasant surprise. Bruce Zimmerman bailed his club out, and uh, you know they needed it. So that's my good. My good for the week is going to go to Trey Mancini. Um, you know we talked about it earlier with the weight of runs created plus. I posted 188 weight of runs created plus. Um, also had a really nice home run. Um, you know Trey is again had a we'll call it a lukewarm April, um, and I think he's po- pouring it on right now in May with like 130 weight of runs created plus. Um, Trey's starting to get that back going once again. Um, so he gets my good for the week in terms of just putting out a really nice offensive performance. Now it is traditional at this point that we go to bad, but I'm just, I'm just going to stop here. Okay. We're going to break the rules. Honorable mention. Okay. I've been crapping on the catchers mm-hmm. all, all year. Season. Yeah. Both of us have. And, and I'm, and I'm still kind of grumpy about their receiving job. Mm-hmm. However, honorable mention on the good this week, Pedro Severino was pretty good at the plate yep in 21 plate appearances he had a 176 weighted runs created plus finally had a breakout great week at the plate and it it bears mention again just because i feel like i've been crapping on him Pedro severino was good yeah i mean uh he he was definitely good there's no question um it's good to see some offensive production uh from uh from the catching staff um are you ready for your bad now okay fine all right, my bad <clears throat> is going to go to Adam Plutko. I know it was a bullpen game. He was just the opener. I know that we won the game, and it doesn't really matter. And I know that he's been pretty good the rest of the season. But it was pretty disappointing to see him come out and get clubbed by the Yankees in the first inning. I find that disappointing because when Plutko came over here, he was advertised as a guy that is probably going to be a reliever, but you know, he can occasionally start from you. He can be a swing guy and give you a couple starts. This is not the kind of outing that makes the Orioles have confidence in him to fill that role. Now, yes, he has been effective in relief and I would argue high leverage relief appearances, but if he was looking to get his way back into a starting rotation, this was not the way to do it. Adam Plutko Made me sad on Sunday while I was out cleaning the car, and therefore he's my bad. Yeah, my my bad's going to go to Travis Lackens Senior. Um, just he's just a kid, just a kid, uh, twenty six years old, but he's still a senior. Um, you know, just not a good outing. You know, took the loss on that Friday night. Um, you know, only attributed with one of the runs, but again, gave the free run homer. Um, just just not a good performance overall. Um, just, just not good. No, well-deserved. My ugly this week, I'm going to call it NL baseball giveth and NL baseball taketh away. I like the novelty of pitchers hitting. I would not feel badly at all if the DH were eliminated and the NL 
played by AO rules. But every once in a while when we play in NL parks, it's kind of fun to watch the pitchers take goofy swings because they don't do it. (sighs) However, seeing John Means lifted before John Means should have been lifted because we were playing goofy NL baseball was ugly. That game could have turned out differently than it should have because we were playing goofy NL ball. My ugly is seeing less of John Means for that reason. Yeah. Uh, my ugly for the week, um, I'm going to break the rules because it's bird's eye view and we can do that, right? Sure. Okay. We didn't cover this in the past a few weeks, but I think it's an important one. Um, you know, MLB came out with an investigation specifically indicating that Roberto Alomar was, you know, tied to sexual misconduct investigations. Um, immediately the Blue Jays cut ties with him and also, in essence, removed him from the Ring of Honor. Uh, and, and to this date, uh, the Baltimore Orioles have not made a statement on the matter. Um, he still remains potentially in the Orioles Hall of Fame. And I know the Orioles Hall of Fame is also shared with Orioles advocates. Uh, Baltimore Orioles, you got to do something about this. I understand that, you know, you, you maybe don't want to put your, your toe in the water here, but this is a clear indication of someone that, you know, um, you know, did something highly inappropriate um, and you need to take a stand again instead. So, um, you know, Baltimore Orioles, you know, we talked about the aspect as it relates to, um, you know, getting the stadium ready for, you know, when fans are coming back and, you know, opening up the stadium. I I certainly think it's a great time also to remove Roberto Alomar's picture from the Orioles Hall of Fame um, and kind of condemn his actions as an organization going forward. Yeah, they, they may not feel like they, you know, have to take a stand, but you're right. His picture is right there over the men's room. Right. So, um, like I said, it just has to be done. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, it's, it's an ugly situation, but again, um, you know, if you're going to take a social stand on other topics, this is when you've got to take a social stand on. All right. Well that, um, let's go ahead and blow the save and, uh, I'll let you take it away, Jake. Scott, we talk all the time about baseball and family and how baseball can be good for families. But Scott, baseball was not so good this week for me. Oh, no, I'm not talking about the Orioles' 2-10 and ten performance. No, no. I'm talking about me prowling the sidelines of a Little League baseball game. Nope, that makes it sound like I was 500 yards away. Let me try again. Uh, I coach my, my kids' uh, Little League team. We had a couple of games this weekend. I was really looking forward to it. I had a crappy week at work. Super stoked. Uh, Henry, as you know, catches uh, a lot of a lot of times uh, during a game. He was going to get on the mound uh, this week. Um, threw a little bit, just a little bit on uh, Wednesday, and was going to throw again on Saturday. Henry behind the plate went to throw a uh, runner out at second and came up gimpy, saying, "Ouch, Dad, my arm hurts." And baseball sucked forever. Now, he's fine, by the way. He's fine. But I spent about 40 minutes during the game Googling what happens when my son's arm falls off because of baseball. (laughs) And you were immediately taken to the Orioles website. (laughs) (laughs) There is no worse feeling in the world than when your kid is potentially hurt. Now, he's he's fine. He's going to be fine. Did you do a platelet-rich plasma injection? (laughs) I did. I did. No, we, you know, we iced it down. We, you know. Made sure his arm wasn't falling off. But I was so amped up for baseball this weekend. It all came crashing down in a single throw. Now, we we have Dr. James Andrews on speed dial. Absolutely. I, I assume that's that's okay, right? Oh, that, that's perfectly fine that we can call Dr. James Andrews. Um, you know, we were given his number by Sam and Allen of the Baltimoreans who um, frankly came across it. And apparently Sam had to donate a tendon to uh to mr andrews in order to i'm sorry dr andrews in order to um escape i think is the appropriate word again past references (laughs) (laughs) to network friends no henry's fine but it was a it was a bummer of an afternoon he was uh he was supposed to have a a more fun game than he did he was really mad at me because i made him sit out for the rest of the game this happened in the second inning yeah it's a it's a tough way to do it's a celebration it wasn't an opening day but it's a tough aspect from a celebration you guys got to play in the big field 
Um, you know, everyone was around, you know, we walked over and watched the game. Um, and you know, in, in classic dad fashion, you set him on the bench in the right, in the right manner as both a coach and a dad. Um, and you said, Hey, rest up. We'll get him next time. <sighs> NL baseball giveth NL baseball taketh away. If you don't put him into the playoffs though, we're, we're going to have a conversation because that's an attitude right there. If you're not going to put him into the playoffs, I'm actually going to make him wait while I put a ball to him in. Okay, good. Sounds good. And that, that's our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdsaviewbaltimore.com. Birds Eye View is available to download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and view the show. We appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. I'm looking at you, Dr. James Andrews. You can find us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeviewbal. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. Let's go O's. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.